Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Juliette Caraman. She is a healer, a hypnotherapist, a master coach and trainer in accelerated evolution, an orgasmic meditation and erotic blueprint coach, an NLP practitioner, a professional dominatrix and a tantra teacher. Welcome, Juliette. How are you? Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm like, oh my God, that's an old bio. There's some new stuff that's coming. Uh, well, we can get into that. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I'm so excited to have you here and to jump in and share all about the beautiful light you put out into the world through the work you do. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Now, all of those hats and titles that you wear, plus, as you mentioned, the new ones that you have, that is a hell of a lot of hats and quite an extensive resume. I'm exhausted just reading through your resume, Juliet. How do you find the time for all of this and how do you prioritize and how important is prioritization and organization to you? I love that. So I call all of these Juliet's jewels because it's kind of like, <laughs> I love it. instead of my toolbox, I have a beautiful yeah. jewelry box and I think all my jewels go in there because for every person that I work with, there may be a different combination of things that actually helps them. What I've learned is through my journey, that has been like a little bit of a Hansel and Gretel story where I would find all the little breadcrumbs. I'm like, oh, this is helping me. So let's learn those tools, get them on board, and then that will help others. But organization and prioritization you were talking about, it's really what I'm a shapeshifter. And I'm also, yeah, so I have different things that come into my attention. And then at that point really are important to me. And then I've transcended them or I, I use different tools. And this is where it's really become, becomes necessary. It's, oh, sometimes with someone else, I might have something that I don't use anymore, but they're at that space. So it's really recognizing what's true for me at this moment right now, prioritizing that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Juliet's jewels. I love that. I'm very curious with you wearing so many hats. What does your morning routine look like? <laughs> well, it used to be super consistent. I was like, really consistent would mm. have my half hour of meditation and my writing exercises and my movement and like everything else in life i've actually learned that being super strict had its limitations on me so one day i might be meditating most mornings i wake up kind of early so every morning i always practice gratitude and i just yeah go, oh, go that's back a non that's a non-negotiable 
That's a non-negotiable. Okay. What for me is really a non-negotiable is take 90 seconds, three times mm -hmm. a day, take a breath, notice what's going on, and then going back to four elements because any experience is made up out of four elements. An image, a thought, a body sensation, and an emotion. And actually to experience it. Okay. So what's happening? Oh, yeah, there's this thought coming up about this woman that bullied me on online. I'm like, great. Okay, so let's think that thought. Is there an image that comes up? Yes, the text message that she sent me. Okay, I'm going to just experience that image. And what's the emotion that comes up? Oh, I'm not even angry. I'm a bit sad. Okay, where does that show up in my body? Tightness in my chest feel it and then the next thing what comes up now and that's how we get out of the monkey mind and we do three four layers of that and then you get back to a place of oh, stillness everything's cool we're in the here and now that's a great tip thank you i will utilize that that's <laughs> awesome thank you for sharing that Juliet. <laughs> what drives motivates and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do Juliet? yeah once in a while i'm like fuck this <laughs> can i just go back to <laughs> can i just go back to being i don't know housewife our mother and just not <laughs> helping others and that's mm. and from time to time yeah i'm like okay i'm tapping out i need some time for me what really motivates me is just seeing the tiny little differences you can make where it's stopping for someone in a grocery store just helping getting that packet of rice for them when it's too high and seeing their faces light up while it's talking to a client and she didn't have a one-on-one -on -one call but i said listen let's just slot in a one-on-one -on -one call and in 10 minutes you've actually helped her move some stuff it's oh okay the humanness of it is actually yeah. the human connection is what keeps me going yeah i just did that the other day actually in the grocery store there was a woman an older woman who couldn't reach, I think it was a bag of pasta or a box of rice or something. And she asked me if I could, of course, no problem. It's a beautiful thing to be able to help someone and give back to another human being in that way that, hey, they can't do it. So why wouldn't you help them? Well, that's part of why we're here is to be in and of service to people and to help people. It's easy Absolutely. and it doesn't cost you a damn cent to do it. Why wouldn't you brighten someone's day completely i completely think about this way as well and i say this to my kids all the time they used to get really embarrassed when i drive my mm -hmm. car and all four of them to school and i lower the window i'm like oh my god that dress looks amazing on you i love <laughs> how you're walking and they're like oh mommy you're so embarrassing i'm like but did you see how this lady's face just lit up and how wouldn't you like to hear that absolutely now they're in their 20s. My my twins, who are 22, now they do this to other women. And they're like, okay, there mom, you go. You're actually absolutely right. People do like to hear. You're not crazy, mom. Proper <laughs> compliments that are meant with, sincerely meant. Yeah. I remember back in the summer, there was a woman, an elderly woman. I was grocery shopping and I was walking out of the grocery store and she was out in the parking lot and she looked lost. And I said, is everything okay? Do you need some help with something? She says, I need to, I can't find my car. And so I spent an hour with her. Honestly, it was about okay. an hour walking around the parking lot looking for her car because she couldn't remember where she parked it. And I thought, why wouldn't I do that for someone? If that was my grandmother, I would want someone to help her or my okay. mother or who, you know what I mean? It doesn't cost you anything to do things like that. To be kind, it does not cost you anything. And you could completely change the trajectory of someone's day by being kind to them. And How beautiful it, right? is that? being aware enough to actually notice it and then being it's kind of selfish enough. in a way because it makes us feel really good too oh completely it's like it's not all for just for them right no. but, oh that how did i feel after that's so great 
Yeah. So I can buy by giving things like this unexpectedly, like, mm. like times to times I'll pay for the people behind me in the yeah. grocery shop or a coffee or whatever. Yeah. Yep. They don't expect that they don't even know who I am. By the time I've walked out, they've only then heard what's happening. And so you don't actually get that fix because a lot of people do things for each other because they need that like approval. For so sure. here you don't know that. And it's just Yeah, like, it's beautiful. Juliet, can you share with us what you were doing for a living before you made the jump into entrepreneurship? And what was the catalyst for that shift for you? So I had four kids in under three years time. So I was, <laughs> I know. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? Crazy. So I cheated. I had a pair of twins, <laughs> two kids and then two boys and then twin girls. So right. that kind of kept me at home. A lot. And of course, I was like the PTA mom and all these things. Then two of my kids had dyslexia. So that got me into psychology. And so I taught other kids. I became a Senko, a special educational needs coordinator, okay. and taught kids, especially boys from the age of eight to 14, how mm -hmm. to interact, how to work at school. So I had a lot of dyslexic, dyspraxic, people with autism, people on the whole spectrum. I mean, neurodivergent spectrum what we call today and yeah. just really help them with that because of course I wanted to help my own kids which is never as easy as helping oh, others no, of course <laughs> absolutely so there was that and I was an interior decorator and I worked with other people then what got me into coaching is really my own story how I hit rock bottom and how I came out of it. Okay, well, we'll get into that <laughs> shortly. So you say that you specialize in the reinvention of the most intimate relationship in life, the one we have with ourselves. Why have you decided to make this the focus of your work? And did this journey begin with your own personal struggles and work? There are very few people that I know that are in this personal development or trauma arena that haven't somehow hit some part of rock bottom themselves and have used that as a catalyst. So yes, for me, completely the same. I got divorced, very good friends with my husband still, but there was just something didn't work. Went straight into another relationship, overgiving, and found myself in hospital for nine months, in and out of hospital, fainting. They couldn't find out what was wrong with me. And when you're a chronic overgiver, that's what happens. Mm. So that was really what brought me to my knees, where I remember waking up on my half landing in a pool of blood, having wow. cut my wrist. And I was like, oh my God, is this it? And I was like, I could smell and I could taste that metallic taste mm -hmm. of blood. And I was like, oh my God, I've got four kids. No, this it's not my time yet. So that really is what brought me to becoming a coach. Then fast forward, I went into sacred sexuality and sensuality and somehow that reignited a lot of things for me and that brought me on this whole healing path for myself for others and the more that I healed myself the more that people would come to me saying hey how did you do this what's happening in your life how have these experiences helped shape the Juliet you are today both personally and professionally do you think really interesting so as a stay-at-home mom with, with you know, a few things on the side I just know that I wasn't always the best mom I was definitely yeah. short-tempered <laughs> Four kids, three years, like husband that was away a lot. I remember telling the kids, like, a wall would have understood by now. Come on, 
<laughs> and I'm like, oh, I look back at it now and I'm like, wow, that's really a little double-edged sword that we're in, right? We're in this yeah. healing and opening and ascension journey. And then we see what we picked up for our parents. What I have told my kids, I'm like, oof. Okay. So I've spent a lot of time with my kids actually explaining, saying, hey, I, I didn't know the best instruction booklet to you. So I've really learned a lot. So I've become massively much more calmer. I'm really they know, I know, my partner knows, my ex-husband, we're all very close. How to discuss feelings, how to discuss emotions, how to get in touch with your body again and not numb out. I mean, I was definitely a number. I would shop a lot. I would not drink a lot, but I would mm -hmm. definitely drink a little bit too much, watch a little bit of Netflix and yeah. play games for hours until two, three o'clock <laughs> in the morning. So it's just like anything but to feel and now it's now mm. let's actually feel well parenting i mean it's a very tough job especially when you're doing it on your own with your ex-husband being away so much and kids are not sent home from the hospital with an instruction manual like you said we only have what our parent what we've learned growing up as kids what our parents showed us by their parenting and then what you see and who you talk to and things like that so it's mm -hmm. it's the toughest job in the world definitely is and also i remember my parents and then my parents are i'm dutch and then married to a lebanese palestinian living in england living in geneva then living in england so it's like a multicultural mixture of everything and then you hear people say bad boy bad girl and i'm like it's actually the behavior that we don't like so I remember being really clued up on this with the kids and I would just say, hey, love you and that behavior, what you did, just not cool. Yeah, it doesn't sit well. And obviously, you're a big advocate for self-love, Julia. So I want to speak a little bit about that. In your opinion, what is the difference between self-love and self-care? I think a lot of us can do self-care. Self-care these days kind of is, oh, I'm going to have a bath and a massage and maybe sit in the sun or take a walk. For me, they're very closely intertwined but it's self-love is really it's like where am I going to say no to things because I'm not a hell yes where is it that I actually will slow down and cancel an appointment or take a breath and just say hey you know what I'm going to start my mastermind two minutes late because I'm going to take care of me where self-care that is a form of self-care but it's deeply ingrained in who you are and what you love and one of the ways that i ask my people my clients start by thinking what are writing down every day what's one quality that you love about yourself not what you look like one quality are you generous are you light-hearted do you have a great sense of humor are you kind and then to read that list every night or every morning, it doesn't matter if you're morning or, or evening thing, and add to it every day. And they're like, yeah, but that's, that's, I'm bigging myself up. I'm like, well, if you're not going to do it, who else is going to? Yeah, no one else is going to do that for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had quite a few conversations as of late about self-love and the importance of it and the fact that everything, absolutely everything in this world starts with a foundation of self. We are also so often told, and a lot of people have been conditioned to believe that loving ourselves is selfish. With all of that being said, what are a couple of tips or takeaways that you could provide for listeners to, that they can implement immediately to start their journey into self-love? Completely. 
I will say one of my sons, when I started taking time for myself and saying no to things, family things, he's like, Mommy, you're so selfish. I can't believe how selfish you are. <laughs> and for overgivers, like him here, there's a recovering overgiver in the room here. <laughs> yeah. Let's actually acknowledge that we have given so much mm-hmm. of ourselves that people could pick us up off the floor. And there, yeah. there was almost a there's almost a self of like pride. I keep going until I get so ill that I have to stop. And so we don't have to equate suffering with actually giving. What about we can actually give from, we hear this in the coaching industry, from a full cup, from a place where you're resourced. So like on the plane, put your own oxygen mask on first. So as I said, so one one thing a day what is one quality that you love about yourself figure out what your nose and your yeses are and what they feel like in your body so you can do muscle testing you can stand up and ask yourself a yes question and a no question like is my name brad and see if your body sways forwards backwards to the sides or not so that's your yes question and then do no questions he will how ways and then you have your yes and no you can do the same with muscle testing or actually just feel if something feels lighter or heavier in your body and start by asking yourself really simple questions like oh that invitation do i want to go to that and listen to your body how it responds it's like because we live so discombobulated from our bodies and from what we actually think we want or what we've been conditioned to want thirdly if you have kids Go to the loo, go to the bathroom when they're driving you absolutely crazy. Set the timer <laughs> for three minutes. Lock the door. <laughs> Lock the door. Do that thing that I told you, the image, thought, body sensation, emotion, and actually just get through it. I do EFT tapping as well. Mm-hmm. So I love a practice it's called tap and bitch. You tap <laughs> on tap all the bitch. points. <laughs> you tap on all the points and you just bitch and just let it rip. Breathe. And after probably one or two rounds, you're like, oh. Okay. And then you can start tapping, continue tapping and just bring in some more positive thoughts. Yeah. Saying. And it really, it's super quick. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That no piece, being able to say no is a very tough thing to put into practice. And when we say no, we always feel the need to go further and explain why we're saying no. No is a complete sentence. It really Absolutely. is. But it's so hard to get into that practice of just saying no, because we feel that we always have to explain why. It's and you so don't. I've spent probably in, in some of my earlier workshops to spend a full section, like a morning on no and yes exercise. Yeah. And people would go around the room and ask each other questions. And first you'd explain the whole thing. They get to know what it feels like in their body. And then it's go around the room and ask. And sometimes it's like you, you say you have to now say no. And they're like, Oh, but I wanted to say yes. He invited me out for dinner or a really cool thing. And it's but once you start to understand that, then it's just no and nothing yeah. else. Not period. Because it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, but it's yeah. a no. <laughs> Would no. you like to get to know? Yeah. No. And then people also look at you a little bit strange at first. Because they're, they're waiting, waiting for that. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just say, no, thank you. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> You say, Juliet, that you're on a mission to create a world where everyone remembers the truth of who they are and where scrumptiousness, pleasure, ease, spirituality, and sensuality are prioritized. Why is this mission that you're on through the work you do so personally important to you? Because I use scrumptiousness instead of like (laughs) 
orgasm and chi, <laughs> that life force. Because when you use the word pleasure a lot on social media, you get banned. And, you know, yes. So for me, it's consciousness is a good word. And I, I just think it, it sounds really good, right? Yeah. I have noticed that all of us are born, you know, with perfection. If you look at that new little born babies, they have they're not formed yet they're not formed with all the thought patterns and all the no's and the everything that that our parents society teaches us and we forget who we are that we are actually at our core that scrumptiousness that pressures that perfection so many people i just see going through life forgetting actually who they are and that they can have pleasure and they're just going through life like work kids home unhappy yeah they looked old they look drab and it's just you ask them what gives you joy and they're like no idea what do you want out of your relationships i don't know i just don't want this and it's okay so if we're constantly in that we have these what do you call blinders them? blinders there you go i was like my god my my english and my dutch all of a sudden I'm dutch in months. <laughs> these blinders we have these blinders on and you could only see what's in front of you and once you take them off and you start connecting people back to their infinite self to their body to their pleasure to their joy then everything becomes possible yeah people all of a sudden reverse illnesses they i've saved people or not i've saved but the work that we've done together mm -hmm. has unlocked people that were on a path to, to divorce you just kind of think wow if we can just come back to who we are and that infiniteness of us that's so yes it's important to me <laughs> and that just speaks to what we were just talking about how everything starts with the foundation of us coming yeah. back to home coming back to self and how important that is and it's also i think what's been really beautiful for me it's i've been on this mission and then i had my sister pass away so i was there helping her in the last few months helping her transition and i remember mm -hmm. that last day i had a near-death experience and i remembered it and it was because of doing some sacred medicine that i remembered it when she was in hospital we were talking about it so i taught her it's like going through a tunnel going out to the light so the last day that she was home and then she wanted to die at home she said, jules can i go to the light yes so for wow. me this has all been a journey to help people remember their own light and remember to come home so that was my sister a year later it was my father the same story then my mother committed euthanasia six months later and since then i've been helping others helping clients pass over and helping clients that their children have committed suicide so that's why i said it's like a breadcrumb story yeah every time i've found new things or i've held space for people then these new clients show up that need those gifts or those ways of holding space. And what an incredibly beautiful gift that is that you gave to your sister, to your father. That's so powerful and so beautiful that you're able to do that for people and especially the ones you love. I mean, it, it must have been hard to do that. It was hard. I mean, with my sister, I think it went so quickly that no one had, you know, but then yeah. my father a year later, and I really started tapping into knowing when he was going to die. And I knew not to go on Christmas holiday anywhere. And I wanted to make my way back to Belgium to where they live. But then my mother chose conscious death, chose to commit euthanasia and jumping through all those hoops or psychologists with seeing him on, are you sure you want to do this? And then also making sure that she felt like she had 
come back to the totality of who she was, that she'd let go of anything that she was holding on to, made peace worth leaving. So it's been a beautiful journey. It sounds yeah, like it. It's been intense. And then my brother passed away just a few months ago. So Oh my gosh. It's the cycle, it's the, life, circle, the circle yeah. of life. Yeah, it is. It really is. And it's yeah. hard. It's grief is a fucking long and tough road to walk. It's, it's it can actually, be. It's a beautiful journey. I think mm. it has really offered me a lot. It's been one of my biggest teachers in actually learning how to be myself at all moments. A friend of mine says, "Grief. When you grieve, the harder you grieve, it just shows the harder you loved. How much you love that person." Completely. Yeah. It's it is a beautiful gift. I think what you're doing as this part of the work that you do is absolutely beautiful and powerful. It's an incredible gift you're giving people, Juliet. Thank you. It's uh, truly. Yeah, it's a deeper work. It's actually the work that I love doing and yeah. I don't do it with that many people. But, yeah. yeah. It's definitely the deep gift of life and the cycle. Well, let's continue on this path talking about the things that you do. I want to dive in and speak a little bit more about each of the areas your areas of expertise. So first I want to start, what is a trainer in accelerated evolution and what do you do as a trainer in accelerated evolution and what inspired you to get into this work? Accelerated Evolution Academy is actually a Canadian company. Oh, okay. uh, It's in Vancouver now that I know that you're in Canada. <laughs> and it's interesting. It came across my path just as I was dealing with grief of my sister, of having lost my sister. It was probably just a month or two afterwards and mm. um, when I was on my erotic blueprint coaching journey. So there are a lot of metaphysical processes that have a basis in hypnotherapy a little bit and then in, in internal family systems, lots of different ways, but they're processes to help. I think especially coaches and entrepreneurs unlock all the bits where they are stuck. So some trauma and also to call in what they want. But they're very robust processes that we take people through for, say, 45 minutes. And they come mm. in with being massively charged about saying that they've lost their job. So that's the whole thing. I've lost my job, but then so what sucks about having lost your job? Some people might say it's great because I actually have more time for myself. Yeah. So you always want to get to, well, what's actually the objective for you? Well, how, what is it for you? It's objective. So you're like, well, it sucks because now I don't know how to make money for my family. And that means that I'm a failure. And you then take them through some processes. They get to feel their infinite self. They get to feel who they are at really at core essence. And then once you get to that, then it's really easy to ask what steps do they need to take to implement them? Because once all that content, that monkey mind is gone, that's where you can actually start taking the steps to really achieving what you want. I can see clearly now. <laughs> <laughs> Completely, right? That's what yeah. it is. I can yeah. see clearly now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the pain is gone. It's, yeah. yeah, that's so true. That's, that's it, right? You mentioned erotic blueprint coach. So you're also an orgasmic meditation and erotic blueprint coach. Can you talk a little bit about each of those pieces of the work you do and what the work is that you do as that type of coach? So it's a lot about relationships and what is our way into pleasure, right? Okay. We are so conditioned to not talk about pleasure. And with the erotic blueprints, it's really interesting. It's like we have the five love languages. And yep. I believe that we receive differently than we give the love languages. But okay. the same way, like the erotic blueprints, there are five ways 
into pleasure. And you might be with someone who is not wired exactly the same way. And you've mm-hmm. always been having intimate sex with them in that way or in your way. And you're both a little bit bored. But so what it does is it kind of takes you through all these different ways of maybe eye gazing, a lot of tantra approach, right? Like how can we eye gaze? How can we have energetic relationships already? How can we be more sensual? How can we be, how can we bring in some kinkiness? If Mm -hmm. this is what someone likes, do we even like to be spoken to in a certain way? And it takes away the taboo of everything. But the basis of both, erotic blueprint and orgasm meditation, which is a completely different practice, is to connect, which is Mm. what I think if we talk about Tantra and if we think about connecting, about intimacy, it's we want to connect. We want to bring what's on the inside out and show our partner, our world, the people around us and not be shamed for that. There is such a taboo. We're not allowed to talk about this. It's too taboo to talk about. We should be having conversations about not just this, but all the stuff that people feel is uncomfortable or difficult to talk about. Because if we start to talk about these things, it shines a light on them. And then it normalizes these conversations. And we need to have conversation is the catalyst for change. That's how we're going to change things. That's how we're going to change the taboo view of these topics and all the other things that people are too scared to talk about. Why can't we fucking talk about them? What's the big deal? Let's have a conversation. I moved to England and I had two boys in Switzerland and then I got pregnant with twin girls in England and my husband, my ex-husband's cousin had three girls. So I said, okay, so what do you call vagina? Is there another word for it that you teach your kids, your girls? And front to bottom. I said, so what do you call butt? <laughs> <The> bottom. <laughs> I'm like, so you got bottom and front bottom. I'm like, okay, that's going to be confusing. But it's just, we don't even have proper language. We don't even mm-hmm. have the proper vocabulary that people are like, shh. Like my girls didn't want to talk about their period in front of their boys and their father. And I'm like, why not? They're going to have girlfriends and wives mm-hmm. and I'm open about it. Yeah. It's just opening that view for people, right? Where yeah. they have brought up in a certain way where it's just not culturally accepted. I remember my oldest daughter, when she first got her period, my wife was out of town working. She was on a business trip. So I was the one home and she called me. She said, Brad, I don't know what to, and I walked her through it. But we brought the girls up that it's okay to talk about this stuff. You have to have a completely open line of conversation with your kids. And that will carry on into their lives to have those conversations. But I've even heard of fathers who don't want to talk about that stuff with their daughters. Like, why the hell not? That's your job as a parent. Why should that all be put on the mother to deal with that? It's just what we've been conditioned to. What have their parents said? What has society told them? Yeah. And this is the conversation that I love to have with couples, with sometimes it's whole families. And Mm. I just, it's workshops. And then sometimes it's just a workshop of an afternoon. I'm like, what have we been taught about sex? Let's actually just get it out in the open. What do you think? What does sex mean to you? It's it's natural. It's where we come from. Well, that's that's the most mind. That's the most mind-blowing thing is that sex is such a taboo or difficult subject to talk about, especially when we talk about religion. And I don't want to go down the whole religion rabbit hole, but if you think about it in basic terms, why is it so fuck? That's where you came from because of sex. You're here. So why can we not talk about it? It's the most ridiculous thing to me. Why can you not talk about it? That's how you got onto this planet. How many people have painful sex? 
-hmm. are suffering through that or are having a kind of sex that they actually aren't very satisfied with and they're just like oh yeah no i don't like this i mean i hear this a lot of women say oh yeah i just can't wait until he's done i'm like this is not what connection is about it's like i actually take sex off the table for most of my clients i'm like let's take sex off the table for the first six weeks and then we'll see where you're at and to take that pressure off where it's oh my god we get to connect this human to human without the pressure of penetration afterwards i'm like like you said that's what it's about is that connection and first and foremost the connection with self if you don't but that's it most people say well what do you like how do you like to be touched or like I don't know. Well, so <laughs> let's give it some thought. Let's yeah. start there. And that's part of the work that I do with people. We go through this game. It's called the AB game. It's like certain kinds of touch, like really yeah. energetic touch off the body, saying stroking the inside of your wrist off the body. Can you feel that? Like that? The that's energy. A. Touch A. And then touch B would be sensual touch, which is just stroking mm. the inside of your arm up. And then you just get to decide, oh. I'll be more. Let's get yeah. one to ten. What is it like? And it can switch every day. We don't have a set pattern. I mean, most yeah. people love this, right? So if I kiss her on her neck and then fondle her shoulders or mm-hmm. kiss her a little bit, then she'll be ready and wham, bam, thank you, man. <laughs> doesn't quite work like this. No. <laughs> we women need up to 40 minutes to actually get aroused. And people are yeah. really surprised by that. That's, do I have to fiddle with you the whole time? No. That could mean conversation. That could mean mm-hmm. eye gazing. Eye gazing, yeah. Breath, movement, sound, all of what Tantra is all about as well. Yeah. And just get to the connection of self and the connection yeah. of us. So what is orgasmic meditation? Okay, so orgasmic meditation is a 15-minute partner's practice okay. where the person with the finger touches the, well, I was going to say woman's clit because I think... <laughs> Yeah. The person who has a clitoris, if I'm going to be correct, for 15 minutes, it strokes the clitoris for 15 minutes. And the only aim is to connect. So the aim is not to have an orgasm or anything, but it's to kind of like, where can we stay in connection? Because doing something for 15 minutes, I mean, if you think about just meditating for 15 minutes, where does your mind go? It's like, oh, All over the place. Have, it's like, woo! So a lot of times what I used to teach orgasm meditation when I'd have a couple in front of me, I'm like, okay. So every time that you can feel that stroke, say yes for both of you. Because for the person that's stroking, it's as fine as stroking the, the top of your eyelids really softly like a butterfly. If you can say yes and actually stay present, that means for 15 minutes in your life, you can be present on one sensation and the funny thing is that's when we realize we all are interconnected because Mm. afterwards you share what we call a frame so you share a moment in that orgasm meditation where you felt something so the woman or the person who has the clitoris might say it's like well there's a moment when you touched me and i felt my heart open and there was an expansion it was really warm in the heart area and the stroker might say oh I remember that moment because I felt a warm moment, warmth in my chest as well. And this is the bit where, oh, interesting, through clit fiddling, what a lot of people Mm -hmm. call it, we can actually get a moment of connection that we're one in the universe. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Let's continue on the path of your titles. (laughs) 
you worked as a professional dominatrix. How long did you work as a dominatrix and how did you get into that line of work? What facilitated and what facilitated you leaving that line of work? Because you don't do it anymore. No, well, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I still flog people, but <laughs> those are usually VIP people. For me, it's all, it's really interesting, right? So I've learned in my life that to duplicate something is to move through it. So that means like I had a massive fear of, of heights. So I jumped out of a plane. Fear of spiders. I had tarantulas sit on my skin all over in, in, in the Texas Big Ben cup. Yeah. So without understanding this, I had already moved my way through it. That's also how I moved through my own sexual trauma. So I was in this class this BDSM class where someone was using the flogger on my back and I could feel my body start to shake. And I was like, oh, there's something there. And I was just staying curious and open. I'm like, okay, there's something there. It wants to move. And I had both teachers continue and I kept saying, can you please yeah, do a bit more? There's, I'm about to pop. So they were very aware, very trauma informed. So I re-remembered my own sexual trauma. Right. I went back to London and I found a dom and I'm like, okay, I want to re recreate my sexual trauma, five guys, but give it a different ending. So we did that, got massive healing out of it. And then he said, Hey, you would be an incredible dom. Will you dom train with me? And I'm like, yeah, of course. I saw how it helped me. So actually how I then helped other women and actually other men also come through sexual trauma by being a dominatrix and by using BDSM to actually move through it. Because you can get to these very ecstatic states and be able to heal trauma. Wow, that is powerful. To go through and recreate that experience for yourself, I can't imagine it was easy to work yourself up to do that and then to go through it. I don't you know. think I really actually thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, it was like, okay, I've got to do this. And I've always been listening to my intuition. So did that. Then I was like, oh, I'll never, I'll never make money. Or I never will ask money for this. This is something healing. I mm -hmm. do. And then it was actually like, no, you have charge there. You don't want to ask for money. So you're actually going to do that. So for me, it was all mm. about healing. How do I help people through the kink world to actually heal their trauma, their not enoughness, their shame about things. I had people flying from the Middle East very often. Wow. Big hot shots. And sometimes it would just be like, we just want to give you our, my wallet, go to mm. dinner and make sure that the metro D and that the waiters know that I'm not in charge because I'm always in charge. I don't. Charge. So it's not like the, professional dominatrix that you see with yeah buy high things on because mm. they're just damn uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> and also i do see where there's a lot of people actually inflicting pain and not quite knowing what they're doing for me it was always like how can we release pain right. but then there are also some people that really like you to speak really nasty to them and do something. yeah horrendous stuff and I was like no I'm drawing the line for me I use this as healing there are other people that do that kind of stuff and you're welcome to but not with me yeah that's not your bag yeah. so let's keep on the trauma tip for a minute in your trauma-informed work building a safe and trusting space is crucial of course in trauma-informed coaching how do you establish and maintain a safe environment for your clients to explore and address their trauma by being present, by being super, super present with them. And sometimes it's really slow. 
and other times it can go much faster, but it's always by creating safety. How do they feel safe? What are their yeses? What are their noes? What are really, and that's where being a dominatrix has really helped me because you hold a massively safe container. You can mm-hmm. only take people out of their experience or out of their pain if you have before talked about what you do want, what you don't want, what are your hard no's, what kind of aftercare do you need? So all of that really helped when I started taking people through much more trauma. And having also knowing what to do if someone does pop out of their body, what do you do? How do you get them back into it? If they disassociate, start looking around the room, smelling, touch, hearing, make sure that they come back to the room and they don't leave in a state where they're... Yeah, I've seen that a lot. And that honestly is something that I've seen in the conscious sexuality world where people go so high that they don't know how to come back. And that's where you need some grounding touch and really just the proper ways that people feel safe enough to go there and enough time. Healing from trauma, of course, involves empowerment. How do you guide individuals in reclaiming their sense of power and control in the aftermath of traumatic experiences? It kind of comes very quickly, but we get, like when I was explaining earlier, these processes, we get back to that part of like oneness. Yeah. We release the pain and then it becomes really easy. It's okay, so what is your one little implementation step now that you can feel like this, like you, f- you feel now, that you feel like after a session? What's one way that you can feel like that today? And what's when then after that one, like I check in with them the next day and what are you doing tomorrow <laughs> to feel this way? <laughs> so they're little steps, but then before yeah. you know it, within a few sessions, they're just like, oh my God, I don't even recognize that I was like that. And how do you help individuals recognize and address the mind-body connection in trauma healing, considering the impact on both mental and physical through trauma? (laughs) Well, first of all, let's recognize that we have a body. And that oftentimes we we live in this part and we're kind of like disconnected at head. So a lot of it are somatic things. I take them through somatic exercises. Sometimes it's as, as little as learning how to tremble. And knowing what happens with it. If I see people, I'll notice that they're holding a bit of tension around their jaw and I'll get them to breathe into that, to move into this. There's an exercise called the Vu exercise. And if they do that, it brings up a lot of grief and a lot of movement. And it seems so simple, but yet by expressing one sound and letting that move through your body, it like reverberates through the whole body and recreates complete neural pathways. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you've mentioned Tantra a couple of times. It's off, Tantra is often misunderstood. How do you define Tantra and what distinguishes it from other spiritual or personal development practices? Tantra is massive. <laughs> I mean, that alone, if you just want to just talk about Tantra, is massive. I took it more. I mean, Tantra is really, it's like the woven togetherness of us all, right? It's the intricacy of who what we are if we think about us as being space infinite self so it kind of like encompasses all of it sacred sexuality and spirituality merge together there's tantric sex there's conscious sexuality it's all about slow intimate connection mindfulness breath 
movement, using the senses, and really celebrating the centrality of life, of that we we are in this bodysuit, we are in this physical body, and let's actually use it for our pleasure, for connection, for spirituality we can use it for manifestation i think if you look at most of the personal development things it all has a kind of like something of tantra in there woven through it yeah it doesn't need to be sexual but you know know, tantra went into the sexuality realm and then you know you have a lot of people saying yeah well they're cults i'm like yeah and some people have been and yes yeah we all want to belong so yes (laughs) have your cult radar on because from time you get but the beauty is if you really look into different ways of tantra eye gazing if you go to there's tantra speed dating so you do different kind of things like let's eye gaze together ask questions like hey so what's something you've never told anyone before so really getting intimacy intimacy what's the breath Mm. yeah can we share breath by by having a breath movement can we use different movements can we almost use improv because that's also kind of stems off tantra and just really voicing your emotions voicing what's going in so yeah it's intimacy i that's how i see it basically if you had to sum it up in one word it's intimacy yeah Yeah. how does the yeah (laughs) how does again starting with self there's this common thread through our whole conversation in itself, right? Because everything starts there. How does the practice of Tantra contribute to self-love and self-acceptance? And how can individuals use these principles to deepen their connection with themselves? One of the ways that I love doing this, it's again, self-love, right? Everything starts with the self. Yeah, It's like when I can feel my breath moving through my body and really be mindful as I inhale and notice what's happening in this body where can I feel warmth? What kind of sensations can I feel? Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it expanding? Is it contracting? All of these ways, we're starting to become much more aware of the body. Eye gazing. Look at yourself in the mirror. Look at your own eyes in the mirror. It might be triggering a shit for someone. Oh, yeah, I don't like the way that I look. Notice all the little saboteurs. It's, oh, my God, I've got a wrinkle here and a spot there. And oh, I didn't realize that my lipstick was half off. <laughs> and once you can actually just stay present and continue to smile at yourself and actually send love to yourself, that is when you see a whole transformation. Simple. I mean, I'm just giving nuggets because yeah, of course, this for hours. <laughs> well, we could, yeah, we could do a whole episode or series of episodes on tantra. Juliet, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I was someone was asking me this the other day. It's like, how did you get? Yeah, how did your podcast become so big and quickly? I'm like. I think it's because I'm actually interested and I'm like embodied in in who I am and interested in bringing up you. You don't have to do me, but you do you. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) You do you and whatever your brilliance is, we'll work at it together until that comes out completely. Yeah. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Ah, it's interesting. I've gone through a lot of different ways of what I thought success was for one point. I'm like, oh, it's to get my X amount of client that pays this much money. So for a while I was chasing that. Then I got 
I got the clients that paid yeah. a shit ton of money and then I don't like that either. <laughs> yeah. And then it was, oh, where can I actually be authentically me? Love what I bring to the world. Love what profession I do to help the world and actually just be me and leave it a tiny bit better than it was before. That to me is success. That's the biggest gift we could give the world and ourselves is finding that thing that makes your heart sing, that makes your soul sing, that you jump out of bed every morning and say, fuck, I get to do this. Right. It's such a powerful and incredible feeling to do that, to have that in your life. And you think about the amount of people who never do find that thing. And I think it's horribly sad. Like, I just want to help everybody find that because I know how it feels to find that and to right. live in like, that and to embody right. that. It's fuck yes. <laughs> Are you even going to stop yourself at 10 o'clock at night not to keep going on? (laughs) And of course, there are going to be days where you're like, fuck. It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows and puppy Mm -hmm. ice cream and all the things. But overall, if you love what you do, fuck. Honestly, I compare it to winning the lottery twice. The fact that I get to do what I love doing and it gives back and impacts the world. There is no fucking better feeling in the world than that, honestly. It is incredible. That's right. And like the other day, I was helping someone through some energetic healing, and he and it was on a weekend. And normally, I don't work in the weekends, but I was just like, "Fuck it, who cares?" (laughs) If you can help someone home for the last three weeks, I'm like anything to get on Zoom and out of my (laughs) mindset. And you forget that sometimes you might not be feeling so good in yourself, but then if Mm -hmm. you help someone else. That changes your state. As we spoke well. about earlier. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? there we go. Attention yeah. out. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after learning it? It's actually really interesting. What I've what I found is where as a little one of probably two years old, I could already read energy. So I remember bringing something that I'd produce as a two-year-old, I don't know, something we played or some kind of art. And I mm-hmm. gave it to my grandmother who was in the room. And the whole room, the energy changed and I could just see the golden thread and everyone felt happy. So for me, that anchored in, I have to give of myself to make others happy. So that took a hell of a long time to actually realize. So that's been an interesting thread that I've been playing out all my life. Yeah. And now realizing that I don't have to overgive, I don't mm. have to give of myself for others to, to feel this way. That's been massively impactful. So actually take it all the way back to the thread of where it started. But I think there's also an important thing to mention here, and I've been learning this just lately, just near the end of this year, is that in order to do that, in order to give, we also have to learn to receive. It's a cycle. And that is a huge piece for me personally, is learning to receive. And that has been echoed to me since I was in Vegas in October. It got brought up there then over the course of that week that I was there and then in Ireland as well. It's like you have to be able to receive in order to continue that cycle of giving. It's huge. It's integral to that, to keeping that cycle going. You can't give if you don't receive. And 
I think that's been my lifelong lesson. And I remember when I first did one of my sacred medicine journeys, that was my father was ill and we thought he was going to die. He didn't. But that was the whole thing, the cycle of life, living and death, receiving and giving, which mm-hmm. is all intertwined and all the same. It's all this infinity sign. And then having done ayahuasca and other things, it was like, oh, it was shown so vividly to me it's like it's all the same and if you can't do one then you're stuck in this polarity of only wanting to do one and having charge against the rest and that's i talk a lot about polarity in dualistic world Mm -hmm. and to remove that charge that's a lot of the work i do but very important Yes, for sure. What does the word empowerment mean to you, Juliet? It's funny. I hear people saying, oh, we take our power back. I'm like, it was never gone. Yeah, you It's might always there. It's always been there. Your shadow is never gone. You just see. You, know, you might never be able to catch it. This might be the same with your empowerment. Right? Yeah. So empowerment, I kind of laugh at that term a little bit. But I just see it's like, where are you authentically your you were sovereignty. Yeah. I like the word sovereignty and authenticity more, if I can okay. say it. Yeah. Authenticity better. Authenticity, yes. <laughs> and not stumble on it. But yeah, so those right. are the things that, for me, when someone is empowered, when someone is their true self, they radiate out and people either love them or hate them a bit like Marmite, like we say over here. You love it or yeah. you hate it, and you are being you, and you will attract people to you in that way. And you are tell people, which is also beautiful. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? <laughs> I like the word scrumptious. I knew you're going to say that. <laughs> I knew that was going to be your answer. <laughs> it just feels like it encompasses everything. There you go. Okay. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Yeah. If you could be remembered, if you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? Oh, love out. What is your favorite stress reducing activity? Oh, I have quite a few. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, actually, the one that I taught you, image, thought, body, sensation, emotion. Just go through that. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? I love how I am authentic and I actually love helping others. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? (laughs) beware i might trigger you (laughs) that concludes our rapid fire section now back to our regularly scheduled program what challenge in your life juliet has shaped you the most would you say oh man there have been so many and my mother tried to commit suicide when i was 15 my brother set fire to the barn i was dragged out of bed by police incest abuse all kinds of stuff i think what has shaped me the most is by divorcing and actually staying in connection with my ex-husband and having the kids have both our parents, both their parents present. Yeah. I think that's given me a lot and has also taught others around me that you can do that. What is one lesson that your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? Definitely. Do you make it much simpler stay in your own lane comparison is just leave it behind you and you do you who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why 
I think it's probably my sister and how she ran with ideas. I would send her like these labels for kids because she had twins and I had kids and then I had twins as well. So I would send her these labels, these name labels for like bottles and then iron in labels for the uniforms. And she just ran with that. There was nothing like that in Holland. She ran with that, made that her own company, sold it for 17 million before she died. And really was just massively, okay, this is it. I know I can do this. And that was just her outlook in life is worth, yeah, I can do it. And also that innocence, really childlike innocence, so happy when she would receive something. She was an excellent receiver. I think that's the lesson, being an excellent receiver. (laughs) If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? You know what? It could just be with anyone. It could be with the lady next door and we just sit down and we talk about love. How do you feel about yourself? Self-love. It doesn't need to be an Oprah or mm. Obama or whoever it is. I would love it to be someone that has a lot of influence and that can take it further. But it could just be the woman next door. I remember sitting next to a homeless woman in, in LA and having the best conversation with her. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Love yourself from the start. <laughs> <laughs> that theme keeps coming up. That common oh, thread. All those little wiggly bits. All oh, the, the body image stuff. Just move through it. Lastly, Juliet, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words would you impart? Live life fully fully feel it feel all your emotions your body sensations really get in touch with who it is that you are how you impact the world and stop playing small just get out there and have fun be the joy that you want to see in your life beautiful Juliet. thank you so much this was such an incredibly beautiful educational and inspirational conversation i've thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it lots of laughs and it was just an absolute pleasure to have the opportunity to sit down and speak with you and share in your journey your story and the beautiful light you put out into the world through the work you do thank you so much i am grateful to be connected to you and to have you as a member of the empowerography community Thank you for having me. It's been absolutely wonderful. I, yeah, I, it was fun. We traveled everywhere. And it was just we did. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you Juliet, for having me. Oh, it was my pleasure and my honor. Juliet, could you share with the audience where they can connect with you if they want to work with you or learn more about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So the best thing is probably my website. It's called feelfullyyou.com. And what I'd love to give to your listeners is a course which is called Feel. This is really where do we start feeling into who we are and to give them. So to go to Julie, to go to www.feelfullyyou.com forward slash feel backward slash. And that's when you get the course feel and then to use the coupon feel. And then you get it for free. It's 555 pounds usually, but for your listeners, I would love to give them that for free. So it's wow. a 10 day course that you can really just start to get into. What does it mean to feel? How can we just get our teeth into it completely? <laughs> on Instagram, I'm Juliet Caraman. On Facebook, I'm Juliet Caraman. I think on LinkedIn, but I don't do much on LinkedIn. So those okay. are the best ways of finding me. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And of course, I'll put all that information in the show notes when we release your episode as well so that people can just click on the links and find that. So we'll put your free gift link in there as well. Thank you so much, Juliet. I appreciate you. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
been a pleasure for me. Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Juliet Caraman. She is a healer, a hypnotherapist, a master coach and trainer in accelerated evolution, an orgasmic meditation and erotic blueprint coach, an NLP practitioner, a former professional dominatrix, and a tantra teacher. Thank you so much, Juliet. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.